The saint we're going to look at today is Saint Agnes of Rome, a virgin and a martyr. She's a patron saint of chastity, rape survivors, and the children of Mary. She's also a patron saint of uh, couples who are going to get married. Uh, so a big hint to you, Ian. <laughs> and uh, as you can see, this beautiful illustration over here of Saint Agnes with a lamb and a palm branch. And this beautiful illustration is designed by Amanda Lee from City on a Hill Co. Amanda is on this call, so I'll just thank you directly, Amanda, for these beautiful illustrations. And you can check out City on the Hill Co. There are many more beautiful illustrations of saints, of, uh, and there are also many calligraphy designs. It's the Christian account that helps us see the beauty of Jesus, see the beauty of the Catholic faith. And you know, if the eyes are the window to the soul, these are the kind of accounts you should be following on Instagram. So I encourage all of you to follow City on the Hill Court on Instagram. Check out her online shop as well. She has stickers and a lot of merchandise, even t-shirts. I wish I could show, show you all the stickers, but the stickers are on my laptop, which I'm using right now. <laughs> so brothers and sisters in Christ, Saint Agnes of Rome. The reason I chose this saint was because um, primarily, uh, God put it in my heart to choose this saint. I initially, Ian asked me to speak on St. Thomas Aquinas, but I felt more inclined to speak on St. Agnes. But later we'll see how these two saints are connected. Uh, but another reason I chose St. Agnes was because she said, shares the same name as my late grandmother, whom I'm very fond of, Agnes Cruz. So the story of St. Agnes is, let me drink some water first. <laughs> just checking you all can see the entire slide right all right awesome okay so saint agnes she was a model of purity in the sense that from a young age so she died a martyr at the age of 12 or 13 she died for the faith at the age of 12 or 13. i don't know what you guys were doing when you were 12 or 13 but when i was 12 or 13 i was bedridden i almost died but i wanted to live and god was anywhere but near my life in terms of my relationship with him when i was 12 or 13 i was bedridden most of you are sitting for your upsr or being introduced to subjects like geography and sejarah in form one lovely subjects but saint agnes of rome here was a martyr for the faith and way before she was 12 or 13 she made this promise to god she vowed to god that she would never ever 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 stain her purity she was so in love with Jesus that she never wanted to stain her purity. She wanted to dedicate her entire life to Jesus, her bridegroom-to-be, whom she would be united with fullness in the life to come. And she said this, one of her most famous quotes, actually one of her only quotes, these are two of the only quotes that I could find of St. Agnes. Jesus is my only spouse. She didn't want to have any other spouse. And I am already the spouse of a lover much more noble and powerful than you. The context of this is interesting, which we'll get to it in a while. St. Agnes of Rome, when she was 12 or 13, when she reached puberty, basically, she was available in the market. If that's for lack of a better way to put it, she was available in a, the market for marriage. Many men were after her for two reasons. She came from a wealthy family. And she was good looking, as you can see in this illustration. Amanda did justice to her good looks. <laughs> and many men were after her because of her looks and her wealth. And she was so fixated on not getting anywhere close to them. Whenever they came and approached her or approached her family, she would say, Jesus is my only spouse. 
Jesus is my only spouse. This was her consistent reply until one clown came up to her, the governor's son. The governor's son came up to her and put forth all sorts of proposals to her. I will give you wealth. I will give you ornaments, jewelry. I'll give you everything that every other woman on the face of this earth wants. And St. Agnes of Rome probably got irritated. A holy rot arose in her and she told his governor's son, I am already the spouse of a lover much more noble and powerful than you. <laughs> Imagine a governor's son proposing to a girl and the girl says, I'm already engaged to a spouse who is much more noble and powerful than you. That's like a slap in the face. I love the sarcasm of St. Agnes of Rome, but it's also the truth. It's the hard truth and it's a loving truth. Uh, it's a lovely truth for us to read right now. So it's a model of purity indeed. And because this governor's son was so angry at her, he went and reported to the governor, his own father, accusing her of being a Christian. And when the governor asked her, when she was presented before the governor, are you a Christian? She said with a smile on her face, yes. And she said, I do not mind being persecuted and even being put to death for my faith. And the governor put forth all sorts of proposals to her once again. I'll give you wealth. I'll give you land. I'll give you all sorts of things. Anything you want, I'll give it to you. Just marry my son and deny your faith. And she was like, no way. No way I'm going to do that. Jesus is my spouse, my only spouse. As a result, the governor decided maybe he should try a little bit of uh, harsh treatment. Maybe he should torture her a little. So he decided to chain her. Which brings us to the next point of St. Agnes being a model for all of us, a model of martyrdom, model of martyrs. So the governor got her chained and naked, stripped her naked and made all sorts of proposals once again. You do not have to go through this torture if you only deny Jesus and if you say yes to bearing my son. But she did not think twice. She did not back off. She did not even resist. She just knelt down there while she was chained, her hands and her leg, and she said, Jesus is my only spouse, with a smile on her face. Jesus is my only spouse. And this raged the governor further. The governor decided to send her to a brothel, a prostitute center. Her being stripped naked, sent to a prostitute center. It, it breaks my heart even to read this and to even say it. A 12 or 13 year old girl being stripped naked and sent to a brothel just to punish her for not denying the faith. Now, when men went to the brothel, to the prostitute center, I'm going to say prostitute center because I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing the word right. <laughs> when the men went to the prostitute center to have their way with her, the angel of the Lord protected her. You see, St. Actress of Rome was so dedicated to keeping her purity for Christ. She did not want to stain it at all. She was so pure, chaste, and modest that the angel of the Lord came and protected her. That any man who came to have their way with her in that prostitute center, they were struck blind. Before they could even glance at her, they walked into the room where she was in. The moment they tried to glance at her, they were struck blind. And the governor's son had his turn. At least he thought he was going to have his turn. He came to the center. He walked in. And not only was he struck blind, he was struck with lightning and he dropped it there and then. So some were struck blind and some were struck by lightning. And the most beautiful part of all of this is St. Agnes of Rome got up and prayed over them for healing. 
this man who tried to rape her were healed and they could see again and they ran out they ran for their lives they were traumatized or they were moved right conversion they had experienced healing to jesus christ they ran out for their life with the guilt that they had what they wanted to do and the governor's son the governor went forth to saint agnes and begged her to raise his son from the dead and she prayed and he was raised from the dead and the governor's son ran out saying there is only one god and that is the god of the christians he ran out of the house saying it is the god of the christians the prostitute center and the governor in a state of shock he did not know what to do he decided to hand over this case to another judge and this judge decided to burn her uh, before burning her sorry drag her on the streets naked so they dragged her in a public arena with her being naked and it is it, it is said in accounts that when she was being dragged as she was being dragged her hair miraculously grew that it covered her entire body it covered her private parts it covered her entire body so that no man could even last by looking at her and no man could even get near her to rape her she was dragged on the streets naked but her hair miraculously grew so just imagine that illustration right there her hair miraculously grew as she was naked the lord covered her and protected her dignity then she was tied to a stake to be burnt and as she was being burnt or rather they attempted to burn her not even one flame apparently got to her body they kept her there for hours but she ultimately was not burnt and they gave up they used the most direct way to kill a person or to put a person down and they beheaded her and at the moment of her beheading she was not sad she was not in despair uh, she was not bitter from all the torture she just went through she was chained sent to a prostitute center dragged on the streets naked but she was so happy and accounts say like a bride on her wedding day like a bride on her wedding day because she knew that at the point of martyrdom when she goes into heaven she'll be united with jesus her eternal bridegroom jesus the eternal bridegroom Brothers and sisters in Christ, although St. Agnes had this very unique and uh, extreme sense of wanting to be united with Jesus, the eternal bridegroom, which we also see in the lives of many nuns today. So they vow to poverty, chastity, and obedience because they want to be specially united to their husband, their eternal bridegroom, Jesus. But I have a new proposition for all of us here today, and St. Agnes is with me on this. All of us are called to be the bride of Christ. <laughs> for the girls on this call, I think it is easier for you all to grasp because you all are women. But for the guys on the call, it might be a bit hard. But the thing is, we should not uh, project our human understanding of bride onto the divine understanding of bride. All of us, whether we are men or women, we are called to be the bride of Christ. And let's just take a look at this quote over here by Brent Peter, Dr. Brent Peter, who wrote this book, Jesus, the Eternal Bridegroom. I recommend all of you get a copy if you all can. I believe it's available on ebook, book depository, etc. How could the death of one man bring about the marriage of creator and creature? How could the death of Jesus Christ on the cross bring about the marriage of the creator and the creature? Brothers and sisters in Christ, I wish I could break down this whole concept of Jesus as our bridegroom and us as his bride today, but we don't have that much time. Um, so I'm just going to do this uh, analog, this uh, illustration which I hope will do justice to our understanding of us being the bride of Jesus. Uh, this is what Scott Hunt says. At every mass that we attend, 
it is like a wedding feast. It is a wedding uh, mass, basically. It is a wedding mass. And every wedding mass, we know how it proceeds. The bridegroom is standing at the front, at the altar. Jesus, the eternal bridegroom, is standing at the altar. And the bride processes with the father to the front of the altar. To the front of the church from the entrance of the church to the altar the bride processes to the altar and every mass brothers and sisters in christ put yourself in the feet of the bride we are processing towards jesus from the entrance seem right to communion the most intimate moment that is when we reach the altar and we process to jesus and when we reach the altar jesus takes us by the hand he gives his hand to us and he takes us by the hand and he turns around and at the hour of communion, he says this, at the moment of communion, he says this, this is my body which will be given up for you. The bridegroom say to the bride, this is my body which will be given up to you. This is a sacred ministry, uh, this is a sacred mystery, but this is a reality. And at every mass, Jesus takes us by the hand as soon as we reach the altar as the bride, and he presents us to the Father. And in Jewish tradition, when a husband to be presents his wife to be to the father he wants his bride to be pure chaste and modest which we'll be looking at in turn in a while but if the bride is not pure chaste and modest if the bride is stained with sin jesus cannot present her or him to the eternal father this is why the church in her wisdom asks all of us to go to confession before mass so that when we reach the altar jesus can take us by the hand and present us to the father but if you are in a state of sin, mortal sin, we will not be able to be presented by Jesus to the Father. If you are in venial sin, we will be absolved of our sin through the penitential rite. So at every Mass, this beautiful imagery happens in reality, whether or not for now we are realizing it. But I invite all of you, though now we are in MCO, the next you attend online Mass and have spiritual communion, picture yourself processing from the entrance of the church to the altar as the bride of Christ, to the eternal bridegroom. So, brothers and sisters in Christ, very quickly right now, I would like to just ask you all a question. Uh, just drop it in the com in the chat box right now. What is chastity to you? If possible, uh, just take the next half minute to answer this question. What is chastity uh, to you personally? Let me see, where's the chat? Okay. <laughs> is it um is it something you've thought about? I think it's a term we've all heard about, right? Um chastity. So what is it to you? Chastity is about keeping faithful to the covenant with God. Man, that's true. Anyone else? Freedom to love. That's awesome. Another 20 seconds. See, anyone else wants to just drop it in? <laughs> there are no wrong or right answers. Um, but we will try to get to the sharpest answer possible at the end of this. Pureness of heart. Yeah. Choosing eternity rather than the now. Oh, okay. It is a virtue. Awesome. All of these are awesome. Abstinence from sexual relationship before marriage. Oh. Okay, I think basically almost everyone has answered in this chat. Anyone else? <laughs> Not sure if anyone is commenting on Facebook, but if there is, just let me know, Ian. 
Okay. So all of this is so true and so good from pureness of heart, purity of heart, freedom to love, covenant with God, choosing eternity rather than the now. Uh, Amanda, you hit the nail in the head, choosing eternity rather than now. That is where I'm going to arrive at, actually. Uh, Jason Everett said, chastity isn't about following a bunch of rules so you don't go to hell. It is about wanting heaven for the person you love. So let's say you are in a relationship with a person. It is not, chastity is not about a bunch of rules. You can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't do that. Uh, I, I fell in that trap at one point in my life, okay? I thought I could never hold hands with a girl until I got married. <laughs> it's a bunch of rules. Don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. This is not chastity. Although some Christian preachers preach it that way. But there's a danger in doing that, you know, when they say you don't have sex before marriage, you don't do this, you don't do that, you don't masturbate. Although that is true, you cannot do that. But when the emphasis is only that, when there's an obsession with that, there is danger. I've heard many testimonies because of the way they were brought up by uh, fixated Catholic or Christian parents who always say don't, 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 don't until you get married. So much so that they start to hate the whole gift of sex. That when they get married and they actually engage in sexual intercourse, they hate it, they feel guilty, they feel so much of shame. When it is a gift, a sacred gift to be enjoyed within the framework of marriage. But because their minds were fed with a bunch of don'ts from the time they were growing up, they could not get that out of their heads that now they're doing something very bad, they feel very dirty. But heaven is not, I mean, chastity is not about that. Chastity is about wanting heaven for the person you love. And wanting heaven for the person you love means waiting until marriage wanting heaven for the person you love means not using the person for your own pleasure wanting heaven for the person you love means wanting the person to become a saint wanting sainthood for the person and wanting sainthood for yourself for you and me you know chastity is uh, a beautiful thing it is a beautiful virtue to grow in and we need more models of chastity in our time today. For such a time as this, I think it is no coincidence that all of you who are on this call are on this call. God is calling you to be a model of chastity. You know, we are living in an increasingly hyper-sexualized world, you know. Everything is sexualized. We see sexy women, sexy men, sexy bed, sexy car, sexy guitar. We say sexy almost everything. Just yesterday on this uh, group, I saw this guitar that resembled a body shape of a woman, which hypersexualized everything that we see. In the culture that we live in, there's so much of objectification of women. And right now, there's this trend increasing. We are even objectifying men. We will get to this later. But I just want to remind all of you right now, chastity means I want heaven for you and I want heaven for me. And I'm going to work within the framework of the church in the spirit of courtship until we get married. And once you're married, in that beautiful sacrament of matrimony, whatever the church commands us to do as husband and wife, we're going to do it. Or if God calls you to be a priest, if any of you on this call have a call to be a priest, if any of you on this call have a call to become a priest, or any of you on this call have a call to become a nun, you're still called chastity. Poverty, chastity, and obedience. Then you'll be chaste. You remain chaste for the rest of your life. You're all called to chastity. And, and if at all you feel you have lost your chastity, you have damaged it, God wants to resurrect it and restore it and give you a second chance. We'll come to that.
Next question, and I want you all to just drop this in the ch chat once again. What is modesty? Another term which we hear a lot, uh, probably we hear it too often, we probably lost the actual meaning, but I think we still can grasp what it actually means. So just drop in the comments, uh, what is modesty? There we go. Okay. Self press. Oh, this is earlier. Sorry. <laughs> what is modesty? Simplicity of living. Yeah, that's a good one. So yes, modesty applies to uh, the general term, being modest in everything that you do. Simplicity in living. That that puts it very well. Especially, it relates to humility a lot. Being modest in everything that you do, not being materialistic or materialistic materializing things. Humble. Humility and attention to oneself. Knowing your worth and dignity as a man and living or woman and living it out. Okay. All these answers are fantastic. Uh, you guys can give sessions. Huh? <laughs> I love these answers. Modesty rela relates to humility, that's for sure. And that's the uh, root of modesty. But modesty in the uh, sexual context, in terms of our sexuality, it is knowing your worth and dignity as a man or woman and living it out. Doing something truly from our heart without expectations. Good one as well, Jovita. Thank you. Modesty. Modesty is something we practice, basically. You guys have defined it. Modesty is something we practice. I think a lot of us, when it comes to sexual modesty, we think it's only our dressing. Uh, we need to dress well for mass. Okay, we need to be modest when we go for mass. But... Why not we apply that sense of modesty when we go for mass, when we meet our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the temple of God, wherever we go? You know, in um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 18 to 20, we read about St. Paul telling us, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the temple of God, where the Holy Spirit dwells. If we dress up modestly for mass, because that is the temple of God where God dwells in the eternal presence in the Eucharist, body, blood, soul, and divinity. We should also dress modestly wherever we go because we are the monsters that carries the presence of Christ wherever we go. We carry the presence of Christ. The presence of Christ is made manifest in the world by us, literally a walking monstrance. You know, at feast days, etc., we have processions where there is the turifer, there's the cross bearer, the acolytes, the candle bearers, and so forth, who lead the procession with the priest at the back holding the monstrance, the blessed sacrament, with the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. You know, there's so much of reverence in a procession. When we walk on the face of this earth, it should be like a procession. It should be like a procession. When you and I walk, the presence of Christ is meant to be made manifest. We are meant to carry the presence of Christ. And instead of an altar boy uh, proceeding the sacrament, what proceeds us is our external appearance, how we dress. Just look at it this way. We are carrying the presence of God. So the kind of t-shirt we wear, the kind of uh, clothes we wear, tops or bottoms are all meant to glorify God. Modesty is about us, you and me, covering in terms of clothing, it is meant for us to cover what we are supposed to cover. Um, in Malay, we say, tutup aurat. 
uh, man what we're supposed to cover uh, cover what you're supposed to cover in terms of speech as well this is something a lot of us neglect when it comes to modesty uh, it's probably something guys struggle with a lot but i think some girls struggle with it too um modesty in your speech the way we speak about other people of their dignity of their worth of their def definition and their identity of their appearance the way we speak about others whether we give sexual remarks whether we use vulgar words whether we use anything with our words that are immodest the way we speak are so vulgar that is not modesty even if we dress well even if we wear three layers of coat and we are covered from the top of our head to the soles of our feet when we speak immodestly we do not have modesty and so we see it in our dressing we see it in our speech but we also see it in our thoughts okay we don't see it in our thoughts the thoughts are only known to you and god our thoughts also are supposed to be ordered towards modesty where we think about others in a way that is modest where we think about ourselves in the way that is modest so brothers and sisters in christ i have another question this is the last question for you to drop in the chats do you believe in the real presence of christ in the blessed sacrament it can be a yes in my head it can be a yes i've encountered it it can be a maybe it can be a i don't know and it can be a no so i want an honest answer in the chats do you believe that that is jesus body blood soul and divinity yes this is the fastest y'all are bright yes <laughs> you guys are awesome that is definitely jesus in the blessed sacrament okay okay please keep your chat box open although i said that's the last question now i want you to ask all of you do you believe that you carry the real presence of christ in your bodies when you receive holy communion body blood soul and divinity that you are like that monstrance over there that is storing jesus to... so praise god and those of you on facebook i can't see your replies but i hope you all are replying if it is a yes praise be to god if it is a yes praise be to god then we should live chastely modestly and purely which you'll be getting to purity is the next thing we're going to look at chastity modesty and purity saint agnes was chaste saint agnes was modest saint agnes was pure this is this christ at the heart of modesty is the realization and the conviction that you and i are the body of christ that you and i are the temple of the holy spirit and that we are supposed to dress well we are supposed to speak well we are supposed to glorify god in our dressing and in our speech in our thoughts as well and in our other undertakings like y'all said earlier humility to be modest in all our undertakings oh goodness me time flies <laughs> so here's a quote by saint thomas aquinas so before i say this quote before i read this quote here's a fun fact tomorrow is the feast of saint agnes of rome whom we are looking at as a model of purity chastity modesty as a model for all people who are striving to be martyrs who are willing to die for the faith i am i hope we are willing to die for the faith physically yes i mean it i do not mean figuratively i mean it physically are you willing to die for jesus i am and this is a real joy to be able to die for jesus because the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church anyways saint thomas aquinas 
St. Agnes Feast, I'm so happy about this because I just found out today. You know? St. <laughs> Agnes Feast is celebrated on 21st of January, which is tomorrow. And St. Thomas Aquinas is celebrated a week later, uh, 28, 28, 29. Uh, next week, uh, okay. St. <laughs> Thomas Aquinas. And it seems that the church purposefully did this because both these saints are models for purity. St. Thomas Aquinas is a model for purity. St. Agnes is a model for purity. And that is why St. Thomas Aquinas' feast is celebrated on the octave of the feast of St. Agnes of Rome. This blew my mind when I found out. And it's not only that. St. Thomas of Aquinas had a devotion to St. Agnes of Rome. And he used to carry a relic of St. Agnes of Rome with him wherever he went. The greatest theologian of all time, the writer of Summa Theologica, the most brilliant man to ever grace the church teachings he used to carry a relic of St. Agnes of Rome wherever he went. And there was even this once that he invoked the intercession of St. Agnes of Rome for the healing of his companion. And when his companion was healed from a high fever, he, he decided to make a vow to all his students who were there every year on this day to celebrate the healing of through the intercession of St. Agnes of Rome, I will have a feast for all of us. I will take all of you out for a big makan. Um, he meant to do that. I, I couldn't imagine St. Thomas Aquinas, a brilliant thinker who I always imagine sitting in a library 24-7 saying that I'm going to take all of you out for a feast. Now, that, that's more relatable. Wow. <laughs> but of course, he did not get to do that because he died the following year. But the intention is what counts. That's what we say, right? The thought is what counts. St. <laughs> Thomas Aquinas was a model of purity as well. And we don't have time to go into his life and how he exemplified purity. But let's look at this quote here today. While this is a quote about what is chastity, purity and modesty. While chastity deals with the regulation of difficult things, powerful passions and strong desires for pleasure, modesty deals with the regulation of easy things, the, reg, uh, the remote and proximate occasions and conditions that lead to unholy desires. So simply put, St. Thomas of Aquinas is saying, chastity is needed for the difficult things, modesty is needed for the easy things. And, and it's quite funny because uh, <laughs> holiness in ordinary things is tougher to practice than holiness on Sundays. Modesty in the so-called easy things is often harder for us to practice a chastity that is meant to regulate the difficult things. It's so confusing, but I think you get what, I saying, what I'm saying. Chastity is meant for the regulation of difficult things. For example, you do not want to engage in premarital sex, casual sex, fornication. We want to call the sin as it is, fornication. Uh, you need chastity. Uh, you do not want to engage in masturbation. You need chastity. Modesty. This is the regulation of easy things. Avoiding the occasion for sin. Avoiding the proximate and re remote occasions that lead to unholy desires. You know, God calls us not only to avoid sin, but to avoid the occasion for sin. So brothers and sisters in Christ, if you feel like you're going to fall to a sexual sin, Get up and go. If you're sitting in front of a screen and you're scrolling and scrolling Facebook, hoping to find something sexually explicit at the back of your head, get up and leave that seat for a moment. Run away. That would be a modest thing to do in that moment. You know, I, I say this because 
I know some of us here, this is a squeamish topic for those of you watching on Facebook, Zoom. Some of us here are addicted to pornography. That is a reality. The moment you are tempted to go into it, avoid the occasion for sin. Get off the laptop. Get off the phone. And we will look at methods to do this at the end of this session. But there are less explicit ways that we look for gratification when we scroll on our laptops. Sometimes when you're scrolling on Facebook, the Instagram explore page, at the back of our heads, are we hoping to happen to come across something that is sexually explicit? Modesty is for us, for those everyday moments in ordinary things to run away from these occasions for sin. I'm not saying stop using Instagram completely. Instagram is good. Follow accounts like Amanda's account, City on a Hillco, Catholic Illustrations, etc. Don't go to the Explore channel. Whatever you are following, even if you're following 1,000 Catholic pages, the, the Explore channel still suggests a lot of nonsense. So just don't go to the Explore channel unless you want to search for something. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's my 200 cents. Not just 2 cents, but 200 cents. That's what modesty is for. And chastity is straightforward, okay? Ooh, 9.21. Okay, next. Oh, okay. Goodness me. Okay. Yay, got water. What is purity? <laughs> purity. The catechism puts this perfectly. Catechism is the catechism of the Catholic Church is the shishishi, uh, which you can see here. This yellow color book over here. The big one. It's bigger than the Bible. Most Bibles. But don't worry, it's not scary. As long as you don't use it to hit other people, it's not scary. Purity requires modesty, an integral part of temperance. Modesty protects the intimate center of the person. It means refusing to unveil what should be re what should remain hidden. It refuses to unveil what should remain hidden. It's in terms of our clothing. It's in terms of our speech. It is ordered to chastity. It is ordered to chastity. Purity requires modesty and it is ordered to chastity. So it's modesty, purity, chastity. From the small things to the big things. Be faithful in the small things. And Jesus said, I will entrust you with the bigger things. It guides how one looks at others and behaves towards them in conformity with the dignity of persons and their dignity and their solidarity. This is Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 2521, 2521, on purity, chastity, and modesty. So it starts with modesty. We develop purity, we grow in purity and chastity, and it's a cycle that repeats itself. God asks us, all of us to be faithful in the small things, and he'll grant us the grace to be faithful in bigger things. St. Agnes of Rome did this. She did not only pro protect her virginity from other men, uh, in terms of having chastity and not engaging in premarital sex, what she also did was, in her quiet time in the secret place of her room, while she was growing up, between the age of 0 to 12, she practiced modesty. She herself practiced modesty, purity, and chastity. Okay. So, brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, this is towards the end of the session. Um, I'd like to just share with you all an action plan or a challenge the 4C challenge. So every session that we're going to have on the third Wednesdays, I'm going to give you all an action plan, or rather a challenge. A challenge for all of us to take up for the rest of the month. Uh, for the rest of the month until this 
the next session on the life of a saint. So for this month, since we are talking about purity, chastity, and uh, modesty, almost said pure, poverty, chastity, and obedience, purity, chastity, and modesty, we are going to take a look at the four C's. The four C's. So number one, cover your eyes and your ears daily. What I mean by this is what I said earlier already. I got ahead of myself. Apologies. <laughs> cover your eyes daily. If you are addicted to pornography, you need to gradually stop watching pornography. You might not be able to do it immediately, but you need to do it gradually because our brains are rewired and addicted to it. You need to start doing it. You need to take a step to it, to do it. And you can't say that you can't control it. Uh, God gives us the grace to control it, to overcome it, as long as we really desire it. So if you really want to overcome your pornographic addiction, your masturbation addiction, cover your eyes. The eyes are the window of the soul. Whatever you see and perceive, see with your eyes, you perceive with your mind, and it affects the state of your soul. Cover your ears daily as well. The music we are listening to, the kind of talks we are listening to, are they really uplifting? Are they really inspiring? Are they really pointing us back to God? Uh, I'm just going to share a different window for a moment. Okay. So have any of you here heard Covenant Eyes? Covenant Eyes uh, is, is, is a software or an app. I'm not going to share yet. In a while, I'll share. That helps us block any videos, photos, or websites that are sexually explicit. So if you have that uh, app on your phone, or your so on your uh, software on your laptop, it will block off any of this kind of um, nonsense that we could be tempted to look at. Covenant eyes. It, this is a paid version, but I know that all of us on this call and on 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 Facebook are probably Asian, so we're not going to get paid version. Don't worry, I got you covered. I looked for the seven best covenant eyes alternatives. <laughs> the seven best covenant eyes alternative that are free. Yay! All the agents are finally paying attention now. Okay. Number one, accountable to you. Uh, there's Custodio, there's uh, Dynatrace. You guys can check this out. Just go look for alternatives to Covenant Eye if you don't want to pay. Net Nanny and Plug Eye. Plug Eye, I believe, is very Catholic. Jesus said, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck your eye out. He did not mean pluck it out literally, he meant download the app. <laughs> Download the app, get the software, plug eye, so that you will not be tempted to look at pornography or anything sexually explicit on any website. There's Dance Guardian, there's the Northern Family, you heard of Northern Security, uh, uh, this is, uh, and then there's Bros Control, there's the Skid Inspector. So for those of you who are childlike in your faith, Kid Inspector is there, <laughs> you can download that as well. Okay. Make sure. Oh, I just realized I'm not sharing the page where I'm showing the alternatives, is it? Oh, my bad. Okay, so here's the alternatives once again. <laughs> Accountable to you, Custodio, this, the other trace, that, uh, the plug eye, and kit control. So I suggest plug eye and kit control because they sound Catholic. Okay, back to the slides. Um, Examine your conscience daily. So there's two things that I encourage all of us to do daily. Cover your eyes with Covered Eyes or any other app. Also, uh, conscience check daily. The reason I say conscience check instead of examination of conscience is because I want to fit it into these four C's. 
but also because we are too familiar with the term examination of conscience. We are too familiar with it that there's the familiarity of prejudice in our minds that we don't even practice it anymore. So I'm calling it conscience check. Check your conscience, conscience daily before you sleep. Uh, confess your sins weekly. If you can run to confession, run to confession, make an appointment with your priest. Now it's MCO. You can't go before mass, so make an appointment. And the last one, call your friend weekly or whenever necessary. Um, what I mean by this is have an accountability partner. If you want to grow in purity, chastity, and modesty, like St. Agnes, in this hyper-sexualized culture and society, we need help. We need each other. We need accountability and we need transparency. Call your friend weekly whom you can trust for confidentiality and privacy. Share with him how you did for the last week. Did you fall in any areas? And if you did, ask your friend to pray for you. And I say whenever necessary, because at the moments where you really feel tempted to engage in any sexual immorality, be it small or big, call up your friend immediately and ask your friend, my brother, guys call a guy, my brother, girls, you can call your girlfriends, your sisters and ask for prayers. Pray for me right now. I'm tempted. I feel like I'm going to fall. I need prayers. I need grace. I need support. And let them pray for you there and then. So cover your eyes. This is the challenge. Cover your eyes daily, your ears as well. Conscience check daily. Confess your sins every week and call your friend weekly or whenever necessary. Um, that is all from me. But I want to explain why I explained everything here today before we go into the Q&A, right? So St. Agnes of Rome, what we looked at today was purity, chastity, modesty. How is that connected to knowing Jesus? It's simple. When we grow in purity and chastity and modesty, whatever cloudedness that is in our minds is moved aside. Whatever cloud of darkness that stands between Jesus and me is starting to fade away. We start to see Jesus more clearly. When impurity, unchasteness, and immodesty is put aside, our vision that was once distorted is starting to become clearer. We can see Jesus for who he is. We can see Jesus more clearly. And seeing Jesus more clearly, we know Jesus more intimately. And in knowing Jesus more intimately, we know ourselves more intimately. 